In episode 47 of MobyCast, we take a high-level look at AWS Cognito and discuss when it's a good option for your projects. Welcome to MobyCast, a weekly conversation about containerization, Docker, and modern software deployment. Let's jump right in. Welcome, Chris and Rich. It's another episode of MobyCast. Hey. Hi, guys. Hey, good to have you here. We have a lot to talk about today, and I have uh, an appointment to do some yoga, which is part of my 2019 New Year's resolution to get a little bit more flexible. I was convinced to do yoga by my friend Eric, who lives in California, and he said that he got a half an inch taller from doing yoga, and I said, that's all you had to say. So here I am doing yoga. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, he forgot to tell you that, that, that the next morning when he wakes up, he's at half inch shorter again until the next yoga session. <laughs> right. Anyway, so I'm doing that, but I got to get out of here pretty soon. So we got to skip other intros and get right into what we're talking about this week, which is AWS Cognito. So, you know, just through the AWS Cognito has been around for a few years now. And I, I think two and three years ago, I remember doing some research as to whether to use it for mobile apps that we were building for a couple of different clients. And I looked at it twice, maybe three times. And this was before Chris and I were working very closely together. So it maybe was more like three to four years ago. Time flies when you're not doing yoga. So when I looked at it before, I felt like it was really similar to this other service that's now been sunsetted and dead called parse.com. And I thought, yeah, this is kind of like Parse, but it's way harder to use. I really don't understand this documentation very well. Yeah, maybe it looks a little bit more powerful, but for this mobile app we're building, we don't need that power. We just need to get users logged in and store some data alongside them. You know, just really, really simple backends for, you know, slightly above brochure style applications. So when you don't need a full on backend, but you do need to let users access particular content or store little pieces of data that relate to them. You know, Services like Parse and Firebase were good options. And Cognito felt like not a good option. So bring that to today. And just last week, we talked about the serverless application that I've been building with the serverless architecture using Lambda and a few other things, including Cognito. And in this experience, I've come to learn more about Cognito, get over that initial learning curve, which is fairly steep, and come to realize that it's really pretty cool and pretty powerful. So I thought we could talk more about it today. So just a quick definition of what it is. Cognito provides user authentication and management services. It's kind of like a managed microservice that gives you the ability to make users and then gives you the ability to create sessions for those users. So log them in and log them out or create them and update them with their email addresses, verify their email addresses, things like that. It just lets you create users. But then the other big thing it does, and this is the thing that I think a few years ago, I was like, meh, that's not important to me but it's really important now, is the ability to do federated identity management, which is a fancy word for being able to connect those users through sort of an intermediary shadow user to AWS services. So being able to connect them directly in and authenticate them for using S3 or DynamoDB or specific Lambda functions or really any AWS service whatsoever. And now with so many managed services from AWS and the ability to create applications kind of in an IKEA style or Lego block style, this becomes super powerful. So before we talk more about exactly what Cognito does, let's let's kind of back up and let Chris talk for a second about 
you know, building user systems, user microservices in typical web-based applications sort of today. Like, how are we doing this for some of our other clients, Chris? And what, what are the expectations of those services? Right, yeah. I mean, you know, for any kind of application you have, whether it be a mobile app or a web app or even kind of a back-end app, authentication usually is pretty important, right? So understanding, like, the identity of the caller and authenticating that it is indeed that caller and then managing permissions based on that identity. And so, you know, very fundamental to any kind of system that you're building. And, you know, a lot of times, I mean, there, there's there's many different ways to do that. You could go and roll your own, which, you know, we've definitely done in the past. You can use other identity providers, services. So there's many folks out there in the in this space. So you have folks like Auth0, you have uh, companies like One Login, there's Okta, there's many, many more, right? Where they provide the kind of single sign-on capabilities, identity management users, and it works across a, a range of apps. A lot of times those ones work a lot better for web and backend, and sometimes they're a bit more difficult to work with with mobile clients. But for us, most of the most of the software that we write that needs authentication is going against our own backend application servers. So that ends up becoming kind of the, the integration point there. So we'll, we'll, again, typically we'll use something like a either roll your own or usually more frequently we'll leverage one of these these other identity services. So it allows us to you know, have an identity pool, so a, a directory, if you will, of all the users in the system. And we can attach permissions and roles on those users and then have authentication go through that system to identify them as, as that particular user. And then we have the attributes now associated with that. And that usually gets passed along like as something like a, a JWT, a JSON web token or something like that, that we can then unpack and, and inspect when we receive the request on the back end. Right on. So one of the things you mentioned is roles. And, and I think that those are the roles that you're talking about are roles that you define yourself that then you in your application code can check against to give users the abilities to do things or not, right? Sure, yeah. So it's like, you know, this user has normal has the normal user access, right? So they're they have the the user role and then maybe someone else's administrator, so they're going to have an admin role type thing. So, yeah, when I mention roles, it's it's really from the context of like a suite of permissions that that, that lights up. Right, and it, and it's specifically a suite of permissions that are contextually related to your application that you're building. So, if your application lets you upload files, then that would be something that you would write some code that would go ask Auth0 or Okta or One Login, "Hey, does this user have the role that lets them upload files?" And then that One Login would say, "Yep" or "Nope." Right? Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, that, those you know, those are just typical, typical requirements of a, of a user identity management system. And that's exactly what Cognito provides too. And I think it used to be really kind of mobile only, like, you know, really, really geared for mobile users so that it was very easy to set up, had SDK, you know, specific SDKs that you could drop into your iOS applications or your Android applications that let you just run, you know, call code that knows how to talk to Cognito without writing any HTTP requests or anything like that. And so from that perspective, I think a few years ago, Cognito did a poor job of competing with OneLogin or Auth0 in the web world. And I think it may be catching up. 
So there's two reasons that it may be catching up. The first, let's just talk a little bit about, let's talk a little bit about the federated identity capabilities that it brings. So, you know, these days you have a lot of services that you're using. And if you're, if you're doing, you know, kind of AWS solutions architecture, where you're really using a lot of different AWS cloud services, then you may be using S3, Lambda, Dynamo, you know, RDS, so many different services. And each of those services is connected into AWS's policy system and role-based, you know, IAM system, essentially, IAM service. And so is Cognito. So the way that Cognito breaks things down is when you create a, a federated identity pool, you tell the federated identity pool, here's two roles I want you to use. This is the role I want you to use when the user is logged in. And this is the role I want you to use when a user is not logged in. And then th based on those two roles, you can say, you know, if the user is logged in, they can upload stuff, they can, you know, add things to a table. If they're not logged in, maybe they have certain read-only types of permissions or, you know, just zero permissions to these Lambda functions, but some to these other Lambda functions, things like that. So it's really clear what users can do when they are run through that federated identity pool. And the only thing that's a little abstract and weird is that you have two different pools and one is called your user pool, and that's more akin to like the features and functionality of one login or of zero. Just sort of a, you know, I think of it more classically as your user table. It's got your users in it, and it's got their passwords and their emails and all that stuff. So that's the user pool. And then the, the federated identity pool also does create, like it does create a little ID per user, but it can be connected to one or more user pools. And that's the kind of tricky part. So you can say, hey, this federated identity pool is connected to a Cognito user pool, a Google user pool, a Facebook user pool. And so basically all these identity providers can be the backing store of users to talk to the identity provider pool, the federated identity provider pool. So basically it's acting as like a middleman between those identities and the AWS services. So the way that we set it up in this little app that we've been building, we just only use Cognito as the identity pool, as the user pool. And then the federated identity pool points to Cognito. And so everybody that's logged in via Cognito then becomes a logged in user according to the federated identity pool and therefore gets logged in user access roles for the various things that, that they access. And in this case, that's S3, Dynamo, and Lambda, and API Gateway for the most part. So what that enables you to then do is without any, and this is the key, like this all sounds complicated, but when you actually go to implement it, then it becomes very, very simple. And then you feel like you start to feel the power of it. And so while I feel, I feel like I'm kind of saying a lot of things here and it's like, oh my God, how would I learn all this as a developer? There's not that much work you have to do. And what you get for free is, for example, a private directory inside an S3 bucket that you can, that only the person who matches the federated identity gets to write to and read from. So, you know, if you're creating a document store and you want users to have a little private area for them to store their own documents and you want to really make sure that no other users are going to see those documents, it's a lot less code to write to be able to just use Cognito and say, hey, this Cognito federated identity is the only one that gets to write to and read from this particular folder inside this bucket or in this, yeah, this particular path inside this bucket. So without any additional setup, like I'm not setting, you know, you're not configuring YAML files, you're not configuring JSON, you're just connecting the Cognito identity pool to to the bucket. So that's really pretty powerful. And I think it gets into, so this ability, this cool new thing that I'm learning about with Cognito, this gets into 
kind of the next question of when would you use Cognito? When does it make sense? And Chris, I think you can take this away kind of from the point of view of, you know, clients talking directly to AWS. Yeah. And I, th- I think maybe like one of the ways I think of Cognito is just a, a couple components to it, right? So you have basically a list of users, that's your user pool. And then you have a list of mapping those users to things that they can do, roles or permissions, right? And that's the identity pool. Inside and, of AWS. So, right. So those roles are not the same as your application roles that we talked about earlier. Right, they are exactly. really AWS roles. Right. Yeah. So yeah. this is this is Cognito, right? So it's basically like, hey, I have a list of users somewhere. That list of users can either be inside Cognito itself through its user pool, or you can federate to other sources like Facebook, Google, whatnot. And then for those users, you then have this mapping and say, basically, what kind of I, I, you can think of this is now an IIM role, like mm-hmm. what permissions do they have? And then now, given that, they can go access those AWS services, right? So they can go access mm-hmm. S3, or they can go access API Gateway, or Lambda, or Dynamo even, right? And so it's really, mm-hmm. this is what Cognito is, is really good at, and it's really suited for. So if you are building applications where you have your front-end clients, whether they be web or mobile clients, and it's really just, you're kind of like completely serverless and you're just talking to other managed services inside AWS, then Cognito is something you want to look really hard at, right? Like this is the perfect use case for it, right? So if if your app is built with things like API Gateway and Lambda and Dynamo, Cognito, you like you have to have a really good reason not to use Cognito. Right, right. And, well, and I would even say that React apps, like if you're if you are talking directly to S3 buckets, I mean, especially if you're doing a lot of that, like, oh, that, that starts to get pretty interesting because then you can avoid the whole signed URLs thing and just there, there's one piece I left out. So you can talk directly to the S3 bucket. There is one whole thing that kind of glues all this together, which is AWS Amplify. And that's essentially just the SDK. It's essentially just like a JavaScript library or an iOS library or an Android library that lets you do three things, authentication, storage, and API. The storage in this case is S3, the authentication is Cognito, and the API is Lambda or API Gateway. So using methods and functions inside AWS Amplify, that's what gives you a lot of that special sauce, like gives you a lot of the ability to you know, log in, have a session, all of a sudden now AWS, you know, Amplify just dropped a cookie or something like that into your into your React app. And then that now when you make calls to to upload a bucket to S3, you're you're you've got a session going with Cognito. And S3 is like, oh, I know who you are. You're a Cognito user. Yeah, c- come on in without doing signed URLs. And so it's like it's like a, a secondary service that's not your actual, you know, your application. Okay, so now now that I've fully interrupted you and taken the whole conversation over to AWS Amplify, let's bring it back to what you were just saying, which is why would you not look at Cognito if you've got clients that are speaking directly to AWS services? Any other points to add to to that sort of, or is that just the thing? That's the one thing to make the decision on whether to use it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think if if you have your clients are making requests directly to AWS managed services, then Cognito is definitely something to, to look at, right? Because that's really what it's, what it's lighting up here. So again, if you're having, I mean, there's many different ways to integrate, you know, something like S3 into your application and, and there's various sure. techniques, right? So you could do things like, like you said, you can have, you can have signed URLs to kind of give temporary access and not 
basically through a temporary role, essentially, you could do things like proxying through the back end, right? So the, the actual permission to do that writing to S3 is coming from some other, you're in your back end services and entity. You may decide for other reasons, like you want your clients to talk directly to the S3 buckets themselves underneath that particular user's identity. So it just really depends on what your application architecture is. But if, you know, the, the core thing here is like if, you want your application talking directly to managed AWS services, then definitely look at Cognito. All right. Well, that is, I think that's pretty simple advice and it's sound in terms of building applications that are cloud native and, and use AWS's services, the sort of solutions architecture way. And I think, you know, as a company, we'll definitely be looking for these same exact opportunities going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe just on a party note, like to get into just the subtle difference, like when maybe answering the question of like why we haven't used Cognito all that much. Yeah. Again, it's, it's because, you know, we're, we use serverless where it makes sense. We're using Lambda where it makes sense. But for the most part, you know, we still have microservices. We're running inside containers on ECS. We're going through load balancers. And yep. it for us, just that particular use case, for it, we could use Cognito, but it would end up probably being a bit more work, right? Because we would have to deal with like the federated identities, having them work with our services, right? As opposed to something like that's uh, we're used to working with, whether it be something like one login or auth zero or something else. So that's one of the big reasons why it just hasn't lit up a lot of scenarios for us. It's just because of the the architecture that we have. Yep, makes sense. And I think, you know, I think we are looking for more opportunities to use some of these managed services that have become hotter and hotter in the last couple of years from AWS. So it probably is going to happen. But I do agree, you know, that the upside of AWS services is always their integratedness. They're always so carefully coupled with, but also carefully decoupled with other AWS services. And that makes some really powerful ease of development scenarios. But the other thing is each individual service on its own, when compared to its competitors, a lot of times does have like a bigger, steeper learning curve, like just more cognitive overhead to take it on than its competitors that are really streamlined and really purpose-built to do one thing and not to do, not to be integrated to a hundred other things. Cool. Well, thank you very much, Rich and Chris. It was great to talk to you about Cognito today. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Yeah, we'll see you next week for another episode. Well, dear listener, you made it to the end. We appreciate your time and invite you to continue the conversation with us online. This episode, along with show notes and other valuable resources, is available at mobicast.fm forward slash four seven. If you have any questions or additional insights, we encourage you to leave us a comment there. Thank you, and we'll see you again next week.